Right. Is it still recording? That's what we we tend to call that just a week. Seven days. That's that's the collective term is a week. Dementia levels of confusion here about where we've been. And I got the quiet chair now. Even though it's horribly uncomfortable. All right. Uh, let's crack on then, shall we? Let's go. Okay, uh, welcome everyone. This is Tokyo Jazz Joints podcast, as you probably guessed now from my dulcet tones. This is episode 31. We're kind of nearing the end, I suppose, of, of a, what's been a pretty epic journey now. It's hard to believe that we started this uh, right back in March, I think. So, uh, James, you've been clearly reminiscing, you, you said, by text already, even though we're not finished. Well, you know, I mean, I, I just ran out of other podcasts to listen to, so I decided, well, what the heck, I'd go back and and check out episode one, and, uh, you know, I gotta say, we sounded pretty good, no false modesty here. Um, so it, it con- bears re-listening, would you say? A hundred percent, and I mean, if you've come in this far, and looks like we're going to be locked down a couple more months in various places around the world, including beautiful Ireland, where you are, mm. um, you know, after having looked through the photos and followed us this far, you may want to go back, and you'll hear it in a different way, and, uh, you know, put on some records, and you can recreate a jazz key ten in your own house. I know that anybody listening to this has got records, so that's not a problem. They can do that. It's getting to that stage where we're going to have to start recreating our own things uh, (laughs) anyway, so it might be uh, perfect timing. You mentioned the lockdown there uh, this week. uh, Ireland as a whole country, or certainly the Republic of Ireland, has gone into the level five lockdown, which is probably the strictest version. There are a few changes from the original one, for sure. And I know, James, that we often, uh, or we, we, we very much stay away from politics and current affairs uh, on this podcast. That's not what it's about. Uh, and of course, it can be quite divisive and so on. But there is one thing I think it would really be remiss of me uh, not to to raise uh, on this particular podcast and on this particular week. So you may or may not have heard from the news, but of course, this week marked the release of what's known as Guinness 0.0. That's all the taste of Guinness with none of the alcohol. And I just thought, I really need to get your take on that. Wow, you just sprung that on me as I've just opened a absolutely gorgeous 6% milk stout from the Left Hand Brewing Company. So um, all I can say is, Guinness, how could you? Uh, I feel betrayed. Um, I may never go back because this this Left Hand Brewing Company milk stout is uh, absolutely wonderful. But um, that should be classified as a crime against humanity, uh, no doubt. Well, if you are listening uh, in Ireland and you happen to work for Guinness or, or you work for Diageo and you want to turn things around, you've lost one of your most loyal customers there potentially, <laughs> uh, what better time to jump on the sponsorship train uh, and uh, get the podcast out to a wider audience. So uh, we'll just leave that hanging in the air there, James. There's it's been a lot, of Guinness talk, uh, a lot of Guinness talk on the show recently. Remember we talked about uh, Birdland in uh, Kitasenju last week yep, yep, uh, yep. being the only jazz spot uh, that I found in Japan. Man, that serves Guinness on tap. So, you know, pretty pretty good timing for that. I don't think he's going to switch over to the 0.0, 0 though. Well, no, and uh, it's currently only available, apparently, in Britain and Ireland. Uh, so you'll have a little bit longer to wait, but uh, perhaps we can do a, a video version of the podcast and uh, we can have one of your famous tasting tests uh, live on camera just to see 
Uh, nothing that can't be done with a couple of cans of Guinness and a blindfold. Give, so, James, uh, this week um, we're calling the episode Sonota, which uh, for those of you familiar with the Japanese language will know is kind of a bit of a catch-all phrase, but essentially it, it means the others or in addition to or the rest or whatever it might be. And I suppose the reason that we called it that is just there are a few other joints that we haven't uh, covered explicitly on the podcast and we thought it would just be kind of a shame not to at least uh, give them a nod. So the first place we'd chosen is rather confusingly written in English as bunka uh, and you could also potentially pronounce it that way in Japanese but we think it's also meant to be pronounced banka and when we've seen it written in katakana which you probably know is one of the lone alphabets of Japanese uh, for foreign words in particular it is definitely written as banka. We also then discovered uh, as we were sort of fumbling our way through, which we've chosen to edit out, that there's actually two places with the same name. And not only do they have the same name, but they're also basically chains of each other. So they're, they're completely related, probably opened uh, and run by the same people that started the first one. Um, they happen to be in two different areas. We did visit them both together. <laughs> and we spent about the last 10 minutes trying to figure out where each of them were and <laughs> which one was which. But you'll be happy to know that if you go to the tokyojazzjoints.com website and you go on to either Tokyo A to H for the joints or regions A to H, you'll find the two places that we're talking about. And instead of talking about one and discovering that there was another one, we're going to just cover both of them today <laughs> uh, at the same time, which seems a lot more logical now that we've actually figured out what the hell we're doing. So um, you're lucky that you've missed the last 20 minutes of that. That was just a little recap as to why I'm sort of giggling my way through this <laughs> initial introduction <laughs> as I question my own mental capacity. Um, so the first place is Bunka or Banka or whatever the hell it's called. Uh, and there are two. One is in a place called Hoya, which uh, we're led to believe is in the west of Tokyo and then there's another place called Shiki uh, called Bunka in a place called Shiki which is in Saitama uh, one of the prefectures which borders Tokyo. James is that a fair summation of where we're at? Yeah you were you were being overly generous at first with the 10 minutes I'm glad you corrected it to the 20 which is more like 25 um, but yeah a, a good lesson to all you would-be podcasters out there um, you know that 20 minutes you put aside for preparation well maybe make it 45 instead because um, sometimes slip-ups happen but uh, thankfully we have a great audio guy who we've thanked many times and he will assist us with editing the, editing the program into the sleek lean and informative show that you are used to yes we are starting therefore we are starting please go to the tokyo jazz joints webpage. go to regions a to h and open up bunka shiki shiki is a town in saitama prefecture i would say it's a it's a northwest uh of of central tokyo maybe a good you know 20 30 kilometers northwest in the suburbs. Satellite cities is more like it. Um, and this place, um, yeah, it kind of um, sad to talk about today because I only just discovered that it closed a couple of months ago. Um, I was able to find online that uh, it, it did not close due to anything having to do with the COVID-19 pandemic or, you know, shops being shut down. Most of these shops have not been shut down in Japan, um, even when the, the, uh, the lockdown was at its height earlier in the year 
So I'm still trying to get some information from people in the know about why it did close. Um, but as you can see, it was a beautiful spot with a lot of records. I mean, they had a lot of records right when you come in. In your second photo, Philip, you can see the two floor to ceiling racks on either side with the, the space sort of coming in between it. So you, you walk through there to get to your table and you can just look at all of those beautiful, beautiful records that they have lined up. Um, and what's interesting, you know, the place looks pretty old, right? It has kind of an old feel about it, you know, the furniture, the plants and stuff. But actually, it had only been at this place in Shiki for about 20 years. It used to be a shop in the center of Tokyo in an area called Nihonbashi. If you're familiar with Tokyo, you'll know Nihonbashi because that was the old sort of center point of old Edo hundreds of years ago. I think it's still where, where they measure distances, done. isn't it? So if you're driving yeah. around Japan and it says That's Tokyo, right. 23 kilometers, you know that they're talking about specifically that point in Tokyo as well. Yeah, so really central place. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, you know, at, at, by the 1980s, the rent there would have been you know, outrageous. Um, and also the area would have been redeveloped with a lot of new buildings. So so they moved from there all the way to Saitama, which is where I believe the owner's family um, came from. So they moved a bit closer to home and opened this one in Shiki. And what's really interesting is, as we just made mention to, so we, we visited this bunka. We also visited the other bunka, which is in Hoya, which is way in the western suburbs of Tokyo, so a bit farther away. And I think we had commented at the time, like, oh, that's a, that's a coincidence that they both have the same name. But we didn't, we didn't make the connection that they were actually, a, a, you know, sister shops. Um, and now when I look back at the pictures, you can kind of see, can you see the one thing that jumps out as being uh, a clue? Yeah. If you look at the I mean, when you say kind of see, I mean, I think it's absolutely incredible that we never made the connection. I think this was the reason for my confusion. I'm not trying to backpedal now. And I've, <laughs> I've big up to uh, my powers of observation throughout this podcast but I can't I, I knew at the time when I was editing these I was like they, they seem like similar places and that's why I kind of changed the names on the website but now when you look at them together it's it's unbelievable that we didn't make the connection because it is literally the same sign except for one of them says Hoya and the other one doesn't. And I mean, even the, even the detail of the little uh, HMV dog on top of the piano. So, I mean, you couldn't have more clues to tell you that they're sister places, but for whatever reason, we seem to miss it. Yeah. Uh, the, actually, it's funny because the other clue I was looking at was the way that they labeled the records. Yeah, he had it done by he had it done by record label. So you can see in one of your pictures it says Blue Note, mm. and uh, so it, both in the Bunka Shiki location and in the Hoya location, which seems to have even more records. I mean, yeah. these guys have got That's astonishing records really, there. Isn't it? Yeah, and I've seen I've seen people write online about their collections. People who are you know uh, sort of blogging about you know record culture in Japan. They've mentioned Bunka many many times. Um, so you know it's one of the more serious collections that you're going to find in any of the Kisatens. But um, and also. Yeah, like, I thought it was. Mm -hmm. oh, I mean, also, you can see from the bunker that the, the one that's closed, uh, there's a, a, a gorgeous picture there of that. Uh, well, I, I shouldn't say gorgeous picture. There's a picture of that gorgeous amplifier um, uh, uh, next to the speakers that you can see. But I think also what was interesting for me, and that's probably why I photographed it as well, is that they have so many records, there's no space for them anymore. So you can see on one of the images of the interior, they're actually stacked up on the bar stools as well. There's at least two yes. big piles of records there covered in a very Japanese fashion with this sort of cloth to keep the dust off. <laughs> that's and, right, uh, that's it just shows right. you how much stuff, I mean, it's literally bursting at the seams in yeah. terms of the amount of stuff that they have in there. It's an incredible, incredible collection of, of memorabilia and records. It's just an astonishing place. 
I'm really glad that we got to visit there. And um, it was only later on on the way home that I had one of those real quite, you know, dope moments. Uh, because when I first came to Japan in 1997, I lived only a couple stations from Shiki. And I actually used to drink sometimes at this station area in some identical chain izakaya with friends, never knowing that just a five minute walk away was one of these little pockets of jazz heaven. And Oops. so all those nights that I could have just, you know, instead of getting drunk with 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 dumb colleagues, I could have been here. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. But, you know, I mean, at that time, you know, there was just no promotion of it. Um, people weren't even, you know, the web was really just kicking in. And I didn't speak the language. So, you know, there would have been no way to find that out. But yeah, it was a real, a real Zanen moment, as they say here. Um, but anyway, you know, Bunka, Bunka Shiki, a beautiful place. And, and what's funny is, right, if you, if you go now over to the, to the Tokyo A to H page and, and you look at Bunka Hoya, um, Check out that wall of records in there. I mean, isn't that just beautiful? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like all over the floor as well. I mean, it's just fantastic. It's just so, so beautiful. I mean, I, I just, yeah. I, I think for me, the, the um, Bunka Hoya in particular, you know, it, from outside, you, you could be mistaken for, for thinking it's a high-end Kaiseki Liori type place that you'd find in mm. Kyoto or something, uh, perhaps mm. apart from the open exclamation mark sign. But, you know, it's just got that beautiful wooden paneling. It's got that really nice off-white plaster. It's got lots of uh, plants and, and uh, flowers outside. And then, of course, when you go inside, it's all very muted, you know, all sort of different shades of brown. It's got this mm. gorgeous, gorgeous logo, just, you know, Bunka or Banka coffee with jazz. And mm. uh, one of my favorite little things is just the, the head of the owner just popping out through that alcove. You can see him yeah. there back in the yeah. kitchen beavering away. And uh, a couple of gorgeous places. I mean, fantastic. I mean, again, just shows you the, the, the sort of wealth of riches that we have when, uh, you know, one of these closes. But amazingly, there's still one of these other places uh, in existence. And perhaps, you know, all that... Uh, collection from Shiki has moved over to Hoya. Who knows? It's probably be worth I mean, going I to check I, out. I, I, I would think so. And I'm I'm due for um, a visit to sort of that western part of Tokyo in a couple of weeks. So I will do my best to get by there. Hoya is a bit far away. You can see from the picture the guy with his hose <laughs> wandering the, yeah. the trees and bushes. I mean, this is this is a pretty, pretty out there residential place far away. Um, but, you know, this, this bunker is the kind of place you would sit with your coffee. Definitely uh, not talking, um, you know, the music, you're right next to the speakers. I mean, look at that. You're, you're literally just like a meter away from the yeah. speakers there. I don't know and, whether um, they'd even put the stuff if it, if it came over there, but uh, it's a, it, I suppose it's it's more spacious than some of the places we've been for sure. Mm. So, you know, rip a couple of tables out there, get those uh, shelves up to the roof mm. and you might just squeeze in that additional record collection. But you can see even from the one in Hoya that, you know, um, it's already overflowing down at the bottom. There's Oh, yeah, he's got his great Art Pepper record down there, and he's got all the Impulse records up on the top right. I mean, uh, oh, gosh. Yeah, I've, it's been a while since I've been able to spend some uh, some quality time in a Kisa 10 by myself. I'm going to have to try and sneak out this weekend at some point because just looking at that picture, oh, glorious. So well, that's, that's the that's the big Bunka mystery solved. Um, apparently well so. Done. 
apparently so, yeah. So <laughs> let's move on. Um, we're going to move on to a couple of places and, and we'll not spend too long on them because I know you'll probably get too jealous if I do. But these are actually a couple of places. I mean, obviously, we, we went to a lot of these places together. As I've said before, you know, we spent huge amounts of time and money just uh, schlepping all around the country to, to go to different places. And um, what I suppose I started to do in later years was, um, uh, I mean, later years in Japan, not my later years, although I suppose it's maybe much of the same thing uh, was you know when I was in other places in the country whether that was for work or you know just holiday with my wife or whatever it might be trying to sneak in a couple of places and I suppose in, in some ways it's nice because it gave you that kind of focus when you would go somewhere else you know to check out a couple of places to see um, uh, what was available and, and also of course you know there are a lot of places in any country that you live in that you are quite aware it might be the only time that you end up getting there, you know. So uh, one of these places was on a road trip, actually. I took the car and we drove up to Kanazawa. We've mentioned Kanazawa a couple of times on the other side of Japan, on that coast that uh, faces out towards China. Uh, and until quite recently, of course, you know, it did very much feel maybe like a, a quite a different place. It wasn't connected so well to Tokyo in terms of, you know, the bullet trains and the things that we maybe necessarily expect. And on the way up there, um, I, I happened on this place called Jazz Cafe Hayashi, which, as you can see from the photographs, if you go to them uh, on the website, is again, once again, as we've said many times, uh, is uh, based out of his house. Uh, it's very clearly a house that's been built to to uh, encompass not only his obsession and his passion, but also himself uh, and, and his wife. And uh, that's his car parked out outside the, the place. And when we got there that day, again, it was quite early in the morning, uh, no one there at all. Uh, and um, had a really fantastic experience going in there. He himself uh, was an interesting guy. He'd clearly um, retired, um, as we've said, you know, many of these guys had done. Um, and um, yeah, he'd clearly retired um, and, you know, set up this place to kind of um, keep himself busy. And he himself was actually a bass player. And so you can see uh, in the last photograph, he insisted on coming and showing us... Uh, showing us out as we were leaving uh, and the way that he did that was just you know incredibly charming he got the double bass uh, he played as a little tune as we uh, headed out through the exit and into the car and then he stood there and waved us off and I mean it was just I suppose adorable I mean it was just the nicest thing and you can see as well you know it, it's such an odd photograph because he's obviously there you can see the movement in the hand as he's playing, and then on top, there's there's a lot going on in this picture that I wanted to ask you about because it, is that a bicycle it helmet is, yeah, on I was top just about of the to lamp? Say, so the, yeah. I, I actually myself had not just noticed that until now, but there's a bicycle helmet balanced on that really beautiful lamp, which in itself is kind of um, a little bit bizarre. But um, also, he he, you can see there's a photograph of the Chick Korea uh, signature. Um, on one of these Japanese-style uh, boards that we've mentioned before that you often see up in different bars mm. and cafes and mm -hmm. ramen places. Mm -hmm. And you'll see as well that Chicks also signed that picture. Well, that picture is one that was drawn by the owner. So this was another thing that he did. He, oh, he took these really? jazz musicians. Oh, that's yeah, fantastic. And he that's put fantastic. these photographs. Uh, he took these photographs and he <laughs> turned them into kind of illustrations. You can also see there's another one there uh, in front of the drum kit. Uh, where, uh, which is also signed um, uh, with the speaker system in the background. And then, of course, 
after all that, you get to the speaker system, which, you know, again, in itself mm. is just astonishing. I mean, he's got this mm. beautiful old uh, Japanese style wooden cabinet and tucked into it, uh, you know, the amplifiers and then these just astonishing speakers and then a drum kit off to the left. So it's a full, fully functional live space if you want to have a gig in there. And you can see even from the, the sort of interior shot with the... Uh, the bar stools lined up like it's a very big space. Uh, there's a couple of little break off rooms, one of which uh, I photographed there was sort of a collection of CDs and and records. And again, this is you know this is this this guy's living here. He's living upstairs. He, he comes down every morning, opens up. He serves coffee to locals. Uh, maybe has some gigs now and again. You can crank the music like so loud. You can see it's a detached house, which again is not often the most common thing in Japan. Uh, yeah. And uh, and then you've got this gorgeous piece of calligraphy that he's also done just uh, hanging up on the wall um, as well. So it's just an astonishing, astonishing place. And again, just tucked yeah, when, away in when a regional I, when city. I saw the, uh, when I saw these pictures, I was, uh, I was so, you know, so jealous. Yeah, you're completely right. Um, and, and, and Matsumoto um, is, is an interesting town. It's a castle town. Um, but, uh, you, as you can see from the second picture that you have of the road where it's on, and I guess we should mention to our non-Japanese listeners, um, 884, uh, Cafe 884, uh, one way that you can pronounce that in Japanese is Hayashi, mm. uh, because, um, numbers can be pronounced in different ways. So yeah. Ha and Ya can both be for number eight and, and She can be number four. So 884 would be Hayashi. But as you can see, the, the, the road here, this is clearly like in a, a sort of an outskirts neighborhood in Matsumoto. And on the right side, what looks like some, some public housing, um, there's not even a sidewalk. <laughs> So people are going to be driving. Um, you know, this is definitely not in Tokyo. Um, but, you know, his house there, obviously with the space, he can crank the music up. I, I love the fact that the downstairs where he has the cafes looks to be about three to four times bigger in, in floor space than his living space at oh, the yeah. top. Which, He's got his priorities, which looks like right? it's just one room. You know, he probably just goes up there to sleep and that's it. Um but yeah, you know, as as we've said so many times, right? You know, the kind of place that you find in the most unexpected locations. And, um, you know, the whole arrangement of this place, the, the, the shape of it, where he has the speakers, where the counter is, really, really intrigued me. And, and that base picture is definitely one of my favorites of the whole project because it's just something about the expression on his face. It's just really lovely. Yeah, it was, it was a real find. Um, and, you know, I, I've mentioned before, we, we've talked a few times, I've brought uh, Sarah with me to some of these places. I think she was definitely more tolerant of it when we started going out and less so uh, the longer we spent together. So this was one of those <laughs> occasions where uh, I was in charge because I, I was driving and, uh, you know, she came with me very uh, patiently and, and tolerantly to these places. And of course, this being a really good one where, you know, it's not it's not dark, it's not smoky. Um and, you know, there, w whether you're into jazz or whatever else it might be, you know, there's a fantastic experience to come and see one of these places and meet these. And th these people are real characters. You know, this guy is a, is a real character. You know, I mean, who mm. who plays customers? I mean, I'm sure he doesn't do it for everyone necessarily, but who plays customers <laughs> out to the car on a double bass? Yeah. I mean, come on. It's just, I have a couple of the postcards that he uh, puts together, the, the illustrations that he does. So I'll stick those on the social media uh, feed this week when the episode goes out as well. Staying in Matsumoto, which, as you mentioned, was a castle town. It has a very famous castle. And actually, um, 
a lot of the the town, the old original town, is is still quite intact, and it has a really it's very popular with tourists, isn't it? Because it, it really has some really uh, mm. nice old streets to walk around. You mm, kind of get mm, that mm, sense mm. of maybe what Japan used to be like uh, pre-war. Uh, and yeah, and it's very very popular even with Japanese tourists for that reason, who are looking to get outside of the sort of concrete jungle and and experience something that maybe they've only heard about from their from their grandparents or seen in the movies. So it's it's yeah. a very popular destination. It's sort of a gateway into the the mountainous region of Nagano, where you can go skiing to the hot springs. So, so definitely a, a livelier place than some of the other regional towns that we've mentioned. Um, I have many questions about Ionta because yeah. uh, I I had heard of this place. It's interesting because people had told me about Ionta. They'd not mentioned Hayashi because I think that's much less well known. Um, but Ionta, having you know opened since 1974, you can see that on the front sign. Um, and what a great awning that is. Isn't that lovely? That long vertical black one where it's written in katakana and then on the right, coffee and jazz. Um, that's uh, You know I like a good sign in front of a shop and oh, that yeah. one definitely stuck out to me. Um, but it, it's interesting. The space is not it doesn't seem to be very uh large inside i couldn't even get a really good feel for how you would sit there you know without being overwhelmed by the sound of the speakers because you're you're so they're literally right on top of you well you probably don't i mean i think that's probably the point isn't it i mean <laughs> you can see it's very narrow from the outside so we, we, we kind of um, made our way around to Aonta, actually, from Hayashi, and I think it wasn't open at that point. So we went and did some tourist stuff. Mm. Yeah, it, it's a very narrow space, as you correctly say. I it, it almost looks to me like that awning in particular looks like one of those emergency shoots that you have in Japan, you know, to get out of a building in the in the case of, a, <laughs> of, a, of an earthquake or a fire, but uh, which are terrifying, by the way, if you ever have to do one. But uh, it always sticks in my mind because it was 1974, which is the same year I was born so i always remember that sticking with me and then of course it has this beautiful application of the french language where it just says jazz et booze which uh, i'm led to believe by french listeners means and so jazz and booze laying wow, out you can you can tell that you're an educator Philip. Well, i would right? never have figured that yeah, one out yeah wow, yeah that's yeah, impressive yeah. man yeah. so laying out their stall nice and early there you know uh, you get coffee and jazz on the side you get jazz a booze uh, as you enter and then of course before you even get into the place you have this incredible wall uh, of plaster which has just been um autographed by all the musicians that have come and played there. And the one, of course, that stood out for me, and I, I was led to believe by the owner, it wasn't the only time that he was there, but uh, you can see there, thank you, Bill Evans, 1978. And, of course, Chick Corea there on the left in 1991. So, once again, you know, these guys were coming uh, here after they'd played the, the big gigs that we've talked about, the big concert hall-type tour gigs. They were heading off to these uh, little jazz joints uh, for drinks or to jam afterwards and just right there on the wall as you go up the stairs all these famous I mean, musicians signed. listen philip when i when i saw the pictures okay i spent an unhealthy amount of time looking at these signature photos okay of the wall all right yep. first first because i thought it was somehow the bathroom but I couldn't quite tell from the angle you took because you usually see that in a lot of places where people write on the walls of the bathroom. But then I was I, I, I went down a rabbit hole thinking like, you know, oh, well, surely all these people didn't make it to Aonta in Matsumoto. This is just fans writing it, you know, Japanese people writing it. And then I was like, wait a second, that's that, that's 
these signatures definitely are going to be real. And and look at the names on there. You know, Paul Moshan, Bill Evans, Chick Correa, even Paco de Lucia. Is that is, is, is am I right in reading that, or yeah. is it something else? And there's also is that I mean, Takeo Moriyama? I've just noticed as well up at the top. Uh, incredible, incredible. So I mean, obviously, like you know, the owner here um, is, or his place is is sort of you know jazz central for the whole city of Matsumoto, where, as you said, people would come up and play the gigs in the, you know, the community hall or one of the bigger clubs and then come here to hang out as small as it might be. Um, you know, what, what an unbelievable entryway, uh, you know, never seen anything like it. That kind of stuff is almost uh, 99% of the time it's in the bathroom. You know, we've seen it so many times. Yeah. Um, but, but here it's actually in the steps leading up to it. Just, just amazing. It's an old school place too. You can see from the interior, you know, it's those places that I really love. It's got the old wood. It's got mm. that uh, era feel. You know, it hasn't really changed in 30, 40 years. Uh, obviously, huge record collection. Um, and it's got the speaker system down at the end again, very altar-like with the, the flower arrangement in the middle. You can see the classic Japanese um, kerosene heater as well there for the winter months. <laughs> because it gets pretty cold up there. And then mm. one of my favorite photos, I think, um, is this photo uh, and of Miles uh, tucked in the corner of that window with this sort of indigo-colored uh, vase. I really love this photograph, um, personally speaking. And um, it was just a, a gorgeous place. We sat there for a couple of hours. We talked to the owner and his wife. They were very friendly, sort of you know, once they get over the initial bafflement of like, wh why why are you here? And if you're on a romantic <laughs> right. getaway, why are you coming here? Uh, but, you know, very hospitable, very kind. Uh, and, um, you know, we did a switch of business cards and so on and so forth. And I really, there's something about Aonta, I don't know what it is. It just always sticks in my head as one of those places that I'm glad I got to. And uh, obviously I know that you'll have the opportunity when you make it up to Matsumoto at some point to go there too. But it's a definitely unmissable mm. if you're if you're living in Japan and, and you're able mm. to get to that region or you're up there on a holiday or for whatever reason, make sure you check it out. It opens mm. later in the day. I think it's much more of an evening place, but uh, definitely put it on the itinerary. Oh, for sure, for sure. Now, so on on that same trip, you were um, driving, I believe, and you were making your way up to Kanazawa, which is on the the west coast of Japan, um, facing Korea and China. Kanazawa is a lovely town, um, a little bit similar to Matsumoto. It's an old castle town, but actually even more well preserved. Um, the old center of Kanazawa still is 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 quite. Um, uh, quite authentic. And uh, the next place, um, and I think you, you captured it well, if you're looking on the side, it's called York. Yep. If you look in the region's part, York uh, opened in 1968. Um, and there's a lot of things that stuck out about York. And I'm interested to hear uh, your story. I did go there um, several years ago, quite a few years ago, actually. But unfortunately, could not uh, get time to speak with the owner because it was uh, it was full when I went in, which was I'm always happy to see that, although a little disappointed because I don't get my chatting time, you know. Uh, but I'd like to see that they're doing good business. Um, but also, I had I had maybe forty minutes before I had to race back to the station to get on the Shinkansen. So I, I, it was a really short visit, which I regretted. Um, but it's a beautiful, beautiful little spot, it's starting with the amazing sign out front um, of what I, I mean, what clearly to me is a silhouette of Thelonious Monk. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean this. I think 
Kanazawa has a really interesting feel. You know, there's a lot of influences in it, and it it feels quite old in some ways. And there's just a, there's a really unique atmosphere about it. I don't know what it is. Perhaps you know, coming from Tokyo, a lot of things feel the same. There's a lot of kind of you you've referenced the kind of cookie cutter architecture of of Tokyo and, and parts of it. There's something about Kanazawa that re- retains this feel of. You know, it's not quite as modern as other places in Japan, and that may change, of course, with tourism and so on. But this sign, I mean, you can see it's a a fairly uh, standard sort of street uh, cafes. It's got the usual neon signs, and then suddenly there's just this blue and pink uh, silhouette of of Thelonious Monk, and it, it really stands out uh, on the street. And then, of course, when you go into this, what you can see is a fairly rickety and and old looking building. Mm. There's just this old wooden, uh, wooden beamed sort of house. You know, it doesn't really look particularly Japanese. It's got old bits and pieces of furniture and they've really done nothing to it since it opened. I mean, it opened in, in 1968, I think the owner said, and you can see particularly from the, the Benny Golson album that they were playing. That's tucked down at the end of the counter. Just look at the counter. You know, the counter <laughs> yeah. is clean, but it's never been um, yeah. redone. Yeah. It's never been um, sanded or polished or anything like that. They've just it's, let it it's go. Definitely, and, it's definitely 50 years of, of drinks, yeah. of, of cigarettes, um, and of customers. I mean, you know, no no change at all. And and uh, I, and it's amazing because, you know, like we talked about, when we, when we see some of these regional joints that have a lot of space, like we just talked about like Hayashi and then some of the other places when we went up north. Um, Kanazawa is a mid-sized city. I wouldn't say it's a large city. And it, it is a little more lively than some places in, in the regions of Japan. Uh, but still, um, a very, very, very small building. I mean, that, that, kind of, that kind of struck me too when I walked in. I thought that there was going to be something behind. Like, you know, you'd walk in, there was the counter, and then maybe a room behind it with more tables, you know. But no, there was nothing. That was it. Tiny and and also quite hard to photograph in because it's so dark. You know, mm. Mm. Um, I love the menu. Uh, it's just got you've got cheese there, pasta, salami. You got some olives, pickles, chocolate, tomatoes, umeboshi, apples. I mean, there's no messing around, is there? There's just this is what we've got. Yeah, I'm not, Don't be looking I, for prices. I'm not sure why. Why did apples come up there? I have, I have no it idea. It looks like it's, uh, it's or, replaced something else. So I don't know what was off the menu there. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, got, and I'm, I'm like, you know, how many people come to be like, yeah, can I get a uh, an order of pickles and an order of tomatoes? And uh, oh, let me get my bottle of wild turkey that's down there that I left from last you time. Go. You know, it's the bottle keep. Um, yeah, those bottle keeps just are incredible. Sweet, right? I mean, yeah. Glenlivet and Bowmore. Mm. I love myself some good scotch. Um, and and obviously, you know, as we've mentioned before. But if if some of our listeners have still not gotten it yet, the bottle keep system, I think we've explained it once or twice, but you can see people have written their names on there. So there's how many, there's four bottles in each row on that shelf, right? So we're looking at one, two, three, four, we're looking at, you know, 50 plus bottles. These are regular customers who have purchased a bottle of scotch uh, or bourbon, written, drank whatever they drank the night, wrote their name on it, popped it on the shelf. The next time they come back, all they need to do is pay for the ice and some soda water. Bottles there for years. Yeah, I yeah. mean, year, and the owners will not take them away. They're just covered in dust. It's all faded. And somebody might come back five, six years later and be like, hey, is my bottle still here? Yeah, I got it for you. Sure. Only in Japan. 
Yeah, you can see as well down below the bottles, there's a just trumpet as well, just casually tucked in there at the bottom. <laughs> you know, it has everything. It's it's just an incredible place. I suspect it's one of those places that would definitely not survive a, a serious earthquake. Uh, and probably once the owners are done with it, uh, you know, it'll go. Okay, well, I think that's a good place to leave it uh, for this week, James. Uh, what we're going to do next week is finish off our series uh, in Kansai. We're going to start in Kyoto, make our way up to Kobe, take a little detour to the once lovely seaside town of Atami, and then we're going to jump on the train up to Tokyo. And of course, from Tokyo, then we're going to start this trip that we've uh, mentioned previously, where I went back to Japan a couple of years ago, and we spent seven full days together without incredibly killing each other, uh, and went to some unbelievable places uh, along the way. And what we're going to do is we're going to take you through that journey uh, that we experienced it chronologically, um, and uh, obviously uh, not just the jazz joint related uh, adventures, but the other scrapes uh, and incidents that we got ourselves into along the way. So I'm really looking forward to revisiting that trip. Uh, I think it's going to be a fantastic uh, journey, although I probably uh, in the current circumstances uh, and the inability to get back to Japan, uh, it'll probably make me a little bit sad too, but uh, it'll be fun to relive it and obviously share that fab trip uh, with other people. Thanks for spending this time with me, James, uh, in my lonely level five lockdown over here in Dublin. Uh, it's always good to chat to you every week uh, and I'll see you next week. Thanks as always to Brian, of course, for his help with the audio. Uh, and thanks again to Louis Elastic for our intro and outro music. James, until next week, I'll see you. Take it easy. <laughs> Ciao.